Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're coming to you today from a campground that probably is not very near where you are. Not very near at all. We're camped in Merida, Mexico, which is a large city, three-quarters of a million people, uh, located in the Yucatan Peninsula. And we've come here after driving about two weeks from Mission, Texas, the most southernmost part of the United States you could come to Mexico from. And we've and boy, driven about 1,600 miles so far in an RV caravan. We're traveling with 18 other rigs, and we've had lots of adventures getting down here because the roads in Mexico are quite different from what we're but used to But that's why we came to Mexico, home. to find out why it's different. Some cases we've had a very nice two-lane divided highway with a shoulder like you expect at home. But that has been the exception rather than the rule. Um, when we first came into the country, we drove down two-lane roads that had decent shoulders, which meant that they were being used like four-lane roads. And uh, Three-lane, four-lane road. The polite American, as well as the polite Mexican, who's going more slowly, pulls over on the shoulder and lets the person who's trying to pass have a good view so that they can do that. But whenever you are driving on the shoulder, you have to watch out for the occasional donkey or person riding a bicycle or a guy pulling a load of wood down the road on the shoulder, and you really have to be alert as you drive. As we got a little farther into Mexico, the roads really deteriorated, and to add insult to injury, at certain points on these horrible roads, we had to pay tolls. Sometimes as much as $30. $30 for not very long a distance. I think in, in one day we paid well over $100. That's in correct. In one day. And the roads were terrible. Uh, you're talking about giant potholes going five miles an hour. It took us 10 hours to drive 200 miles, which at home would be an outrageous amount of time. So my theory is that in some cases, the first thing they build when they make a tollway is <laughs> they build the toll booth. booth, and they charge you the $30 so they can start building the tollway. Uh, these roads were so bad on that really bad day, uh, I walked into our rig at the end of the driving day and saw shattered glass all over the carpeting because we had lost two of our light fixtures, which had come down in some of the lurching. And, of you, course, even worse... The other thing we lost is the container for our sewer hose came open, <laughs> and, and so As somewhere the sewer hose went careening down the highway, and I can just, just see some poor Mexican guy snake. holding this sewer hose in his hand, wondering, what the, the hell am I that? supposed to do with this? So, uh, so far, those are the only things we've lost. Um, unfortunately, we now know what those roads are like, and when we leave this area, we know we're going to have to drive through that bumpy, potholy area once again on the way north. As Ken was saying, uh, the thing that's really infamous about Mexican roads are the, the topes. topes. Topes spelled T-O-P-E. And this is what the Mexicans use in lieu of uh, traffic lights or uh, radar warnings about your speed. And you find them primarily in towns uh, at school crossings where pedestrians are going to be, uh, major intersections. And usually they warn you that they're going to be there, but 
sometimes they forget to do that. And there's a little symbol of a tope sign. It's a, a, a horizontal line with two wavy lines underneath it. And this warns you that a speed bump is coming. Uh, sometimes these speed bumps are as wide as a road. Sometimes they are the size of your foot. You just never quite in, in know. In terms of the width across the When you're in these towns that are full of potholes, you wonder what on earth are they doing adding yet more bumps to this experience because you're already only going five miles an hour through the town. And then, of course, there are the portable topes, which at the military checkpoints, of which there have been several. This sounds kind of scary, but it has been our experience that the military checkpoints are actually good and primarily paid for by the uh, Americans to check for drugs. Um, they they check for drugs going north and yeah. guns coming south. Right. So they haven't uh, caused us any hassle except that we have to stop and occasionally they come into one of the rigs to examine it and we think primarily they come into the rigs just to see what, what these what they look <laughs> like these vehicles look like because they're unusual to say the least the other official reason why we get stopped is for agricultural inspections which take place between every state mexico has states just like we do in the u.s and they you never quite know what they're looking for i mean maybe the locals know but we don't know uh so we are on guard that they might uh, take away a piece of pork or chicken or eggs um possibly even some produce and the purpose of this is to keep um, going into california agricultural pestilence from spreading from one one state to another. Um, most of the people in our caravan are Class A, and so they have a little time before we get to these checkpoints to hide their eggs in their washing machine. Make and sure put there are no mil- Mexican military listening to this podcast. And they put their pot roasts in their <laughs> pillowcases, and so when the guy comes in to make the inspection, the poor Americans have no food. <laughs> In our case, uh, with our fifth wheel, our slide-outs meet in the middle. And so once we are going down the road, there's no way you can make it toward our refrigerator. So the inspector comes in our rig and goes, oh, Dios mio, and he goes back out again. So we have not lost any food. But the portable topes are like sand-filled bags, uh, long snake bags that they put across the road uh, just to add insult to injury, just to make sure that you stop and slow down. But... We should mention that that although rough roads are topes in and of them in and of themselves, there are lots of topes that are uh, for good reason, like in front of schools and uh, pedestrian crossings and other places. And I, it's a, you know, they call them the sleeping policemen. And 24 hours a day, they're out there making sure that you don't go fast through those areas. And it definitely as, works. As if you could. Yeah, because even the you know the big 18-wheelers and the and all the vehicles have to have to slow down. So you might ask, why did we come on this caravan? <laughs> and for the first couple, whole three, four hundred miles, we were kind of asking ourselves that because we didn't realize how far, far south we really are. Uh, our last caravan on the Copper Canyon, we went as far south as Mazatlan. And I thought, wow, you know, we are really down here in the in the Southland and certainly as far south as we'd ever driven at that time. And we signed up for this 44-dayer, and we go to Cancun. You know, I never thought that I would see Cancun on a, on a sign that says 50 miles away, you know. And so that was, uh, that's been kind of a, a thrill in some ways. But we realize now that we are much, much further south. Mazatlan is north, north, north. Uh, from here, uh, Cancun is about uh, even with Jamaica, and 
and south of Cuba. So we have now driven south of Cuba in more in line with Jamaica, which is amazing. And here we are in Merida, which is uh, the largest town in the, in the Yucatan, uh, over a million people. Three-quarters of a million people. Three-quarters of a million people. In the metro area. And one of the things that this being so far south has caused is um, a huge loss in media and contact with the world. We were barely a day out on the trip uh, when Ken set up the satellite dish so we could watch TV. Nope, no more TV. And last time we got the... All the satellite way through almost half the trip yeah. because we were much further north. <laughs> but here we started. We didn't realize that the southern tip of Texas is almost is just a little bit north of Mazatlan. So we were starting off much farther south than we went last time almost. And a few days down the road, we also lost our satellite radio. So we <laughs> feel like we're totally we're isolated. But thank God we still get the Remember, internet. this podcast is about technology. And so we are giving you the, the updated report about what you can expect in terms of digital technology. And because we are on uh, SatMax 5 with our satellite dish, uh, we seem to be getting very good satellite signal down here. And uh, we have great connectivity, and we're sharing it with our friends down here. And it's uh, it's been a blessing because we've lost all of the other media, unless you want to watch Spanish TV. But as we've come north again, because if you get out your map and look, the Yucatan Peninsula does come north. Uh, the satellite radio is back, and so we know all about Anna Nicole Smith <laughs> <laughs> and the Academy Awards and all those important trivial things. Yes, well, that's something we, we'll skip over at the moment, but we are able to, to receive most of our, our media down here at, at, at this northern point because we've come around the south and, and started north again. But then we head south to Cancun, and this is a 44-day trip, so a nice long one, and uh, it has uh, 12 or so days of boondocking, which is kind of interesting because why would an RV caravan have to boondock? Well, as we find out, the campgrounds are few and far between, in all honesty, because the Mexicans don't RV the way we RV. And so you don't find RV parks that have the kind of facilities that we are used to. 50-amp service? No way. 30-amp service? No way. 20? Maybe. As we're talking to you, we're sitting here looking at our electric meter and watching our power fluctuate up and down. Between um, 80 and 100. In this particular <laughs> campground, we very rarely make it to 120, uh, so we are not able to run our air conditioner, which is too bad because it's mighty hot here. But a few days oh, ago... It's February and mighty hot. Hmm. A few days are ago, they, we are, were... Are the people listening to this really sad about that? <laughs> I don't think so. But a few days ago, we were in a very nice campground where the electricity was much too high. Yes, and so, uh, you know, you just can't depend on, on the service down here. And there are just no RVs like us. And we, we drive through small towns, and it's like a parade. We're here during the carnival season, and we've been hoping to see a carnival parade, but instead we have become the carnival parade. <laughs> As our 19 rigs drive through these little towns, uh, people come out and their jaws drop, and they wave and they call their friends, and we feel like royalty and wave back. And The, the people have been extremely friendly and, and helpful, and, you know, you hear about banditos and blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't necessarily take a trip like this by myself, but primarily because... Uh, you could. It would be difficult to organize it in as an efficient a way. Although we do run into other people from North America that have come here on their own. 
Yes, and the, but they're primarily coming to sit for a while uh, at one of the resorts, or you know, they're not traveling around to the extent that we are. In some cases, as Ken mentioned, we've had to boondock um, primarily in parking lots. Uh, usually, this was because the area we wanted to visit had no campground, or in one case, the campground had gotten so muddy the caravan in front of ours had all gotten stuck and had to be towed out, and it was uh, more prudent to stay in the campground in, in the parking lot. But sometimes this has been very convenient. Uh, the last few days we've been visiting the uh, World Heritage uh, Site uh, Ushmal, which is a wonderful set of Mayan ruins, and we camped in their parking lot. This meant that uh, we attended the Sound and Light Show and walked a few football field lengths back to our rigs and went to bed. And the next morning we got Whereas up... everybody else came on a bus We had got to travel hours. We got up early and the cool of the day and went on a tour of the ruins. And Before we were the, the buses arrived. We were the first ones there and pretty much had the place to ourselves. So in that case, being in the parking lot was a real advantage. And those, in that case, you know, taking the caravan uh, with a lot of other rigs... Uh, we were able to find this facility, which you wouldn't be able to find if you were on your own, or you probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be available to you. So we feel that the caravanning experience has uh, been a benefit to us, even though it does slow things down. And uh, there are a few other, you know, when you're a big group, <laughs> especially driving through a town or something, it can it can make for slow going. And when we stop and pay those tolls, generally there's just one toll, toll booth, booth open and 19 rigs plus whatever other normal traffic is on the road can really clog up Boy, the Boy, did they make, like, make a lot of money as we drive through. <laughs> and the other thing that's pretty slow is coming into a campground because uh, you can imagine it takes a while for all of us to, to get ourselves settled, and all the Class A people who are towing cars have to undo them before they can park themselves. But everybody in our group is an experienced traveler and an experienced RVer and go-with-the-flow kind of people. So it's been a fun way to see Mexico so far. So uh, our primary topic today, I think, is going to be water, because this is something that uh, has weighed on our minds uh, significantly as we travel south of the border, because you always hear about the bad water. And the problem with water is that you really don't know whether it's good, because you can't, well, unless it's really bad and, and it's you, brown. You, or you never see lumps or critters in this water, yeah, but you still you know, don't know. The electricity, we could put a meter on it and, and pretty much tell the quality of the electricity, but... That that's not the case with water, and of course, if you get a bunch of bad water, and Mexico's noted for bad water, it can really delay you up for a while and could cause some serious illness. And as with many other um, marginalized countries in the world, you don't want to have tummy problems because the toilets are not always up to par either. Yeah, well, that's the advantage of having your own rig. We have been able to uh, to dump regularly, so. Um, we don't have a lot of days in a row of boondocking, but we do have, um, as I said, about a third of our trip is, is uh, boondocking experience. And water is and an issue every day. And water is an issue every day. And we thought maybe uh, this is something that's uh, true in the United States, and we thought maybe we would uh, <laughs> help you with uh, some of the ideas that we have about water. And, and you know, feel free to send us an email, and uh, we'll be happy to... Uh, to talk about uh, your 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 letters and and by the way I do want to mention that uh, very heartening that uh, our last episode of the RV Navigator was a huge hit and has been downloaded uh, hundreds of times and 
the total, the 12 episodes, well, this is the 12th, but uh, of the 11 episodes we put up so far, we've had over 2,500 downloads. And um, so there are a lot of people listening to this, and I've gotten some very good and interesting emails. So and we're glad you're out there. We very much appreciate you sending us email and keeping in touch with us, and I try to respond to it. Uh, just as quickly as possible, but uh, please understand that sometimes we're on the road and we don't have good connectivity. And that usually happens when we have trees, as we've had on a couple of, uh, of our campgrounds here. They've been nicely treed, which everybody else appreciated because it shaded us. And uh, I said, no, no, can't have trees because it blocks the satellite. But there was virtually no sites that were that were uh, out in the open. But we were camped on the ocean. On, you know, on the beach. On Very the beach. nice. We've had several nice experiences of of camping right on the beach. But send your email to navigator at rvnavigator.com and keep it coming because and keep downloading because uh, I bought a lot of uh, download capacity and you haven't even touched how much we can, how many episodes can be downloaded. So And it's rewarding it's for rewarding us to keep us. doing this if we know that you are enjoying it. Yes, and of course uh, you might want to also, if you're interested in this trip or any of our other trips, you might want to take a look at uh, the blog that we do. And the blog is at www.mytripjournal.com slash Wiseman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N. And this particular trip is at Wiseman 7. At the end. So you put slash Wiseman with the number 7 at the end. Uh, we do put a link to this on our website, uh, on the RV Navigator website, so uh, you can just go there and click. Um, I have had to help several people with uh, download issues, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm kind of a novice at this uh, podcasting game, and I don't always uh, know how to solve your problems, but uh, with your questions, I solve the problems, and then I can help other people. And you've learned a lot. And I've learned a lot, right. So, uh, water. Um, basically, we hold about 70 gallons of water, which, of course, we left Texas completely full. Which we normally don't do because no. water is very heavy. Yeah, at eight pounds a But gallon. there's nothing more precious than clean water. Right. So that didn't last very long, in all honesty. Um, and we had to start putting in water for Mexico. I think there are a number of strategies that you can use. One is, is that virtually every campground has a little truck that comes around, and they will sell you bottled water. And that bottled water comes in five-gallon containers. You know these big white, these big plastic ones, like kind of like for a water cooler. Like on a water cooler, exactly. And <laughs> I laugh because now you think about this: if you have an RV, you know how do you get a five-gallon jug of water into the that RV? Teeny tiny hole. That teeny tiny. You can't just pour it in. It's uh, not possible to do. But somebody on this caravan had the perfect solution. They bought. A kegger funnel. Oh, for beer? (laughs) (laughs) The guy... (laughs) They were in Corpus Christi. Oh, the spring break crowd. South South Padre. Yeah. And they were... It was uh, some sort of a spring break thing, and they went up to the... They had these funnels with a... uh, Oh, you attach it to the keg, and then you funnel the beer into your mouth. Right. Oh, not to the keg, I think, but you—they have it has a fairly large diameter rubber hose coming out of the bottom of the funnel, and that's what you need. You know, you can't just buy just a regular funnel because the the Does outlet is too small. You know, it's not primarily designed enough. for little bottles or something. But you need one that has you know an inch and a half diameter. <laughs> so we're passing around the kegger funnel. <laughs> so, I think it's and so. 
I can't imagine doing this, but they take a, a, a bottle of beer and they pour it in the top and you put this hose in your mouth and you drink it. And I don't know, they they had some wild stories. Anyway. Well, we're much too old for spring break. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you see one of those, buy it. <laughs> Before you come to Mexico. And we're, <laughs> we're going to go to South Padre Island just to buy one. <laughs> Anyway, hopefully we'll find one. But anyway, they bought a couple of them, and they turned out to be the perfect thing to fill up your uh, your rig's uh, water supply with. Uh, you know, because you can't use a hose because they have this you know this five gallon jug. So the little men come around and they sell you as many of these jugs as you want, and they're about twenty pesos uh, per bottle, which is about two dollars for five gallons, and you can fill it up. And so that's purified water. So there you can continue using the system just like you always do. But kind that, of expensive and a lot of work. And a lot of work. And Hard a lot on the of that back. water you're not using for things that need to be really You don't clean. need purified the water, water seen, for showering. Uh, there's, uh, from our ex- experience so far, there's no way to, we have no reason to think the water isn't good. We don't know. We don't know. But, uh, you know, it's better to be a little safe. So we have not gone that route. <laughs> and in the future, we may buy the... The kegger thing, anyway. But um, we have um, chosen to just uh, take the water out of the tap, and I bought a filter, a charcoal filter, at Camping World, which uh, filters it as it comes in. And then um, we use bleach. And I'm going to put up on the website um, a sheet that I compiled, uh, a PDF that has uh, purification techniques using bleach. And this is—I I learned a lot. Um, and there is a lot of information on the web. I kind of customized this for RVing. And I learned a lot because the World Health Organization and the Red Cross and all of these, and FEMA, all of these uh, organizations have water purification techniques using bleach. I was surprised at, at uh, how effective bleach is at purifying water. And the filter that we have on primarily takes out sediment and, and big lumps, I guess. Whereas the bleach then takes care of all the bacteria and other little parasites that might be in the water. I mean, it's nothing we can see. The water looks clear and looks fine to me. And it takes just a little bit of bleach. And I have a, a formula on the PDF, which you can download. It takes just a little bit of bleach. So, you know, a quart of bleach will last us the entire trip. And you put a little bleach in your tank, and that will... Uh, pretty much purify the water in terms of uh, microbes and stuff like that. So, you know, it doesn't take out heavy metal and, and other assorted, uh, you know, impurities like that. And at that concentration, you don't taste it or feel it. You don't even know it's there. No, and it won't, won't hurt your system either in terms of uh, corrosiveness. I, mean, I was quite surprised that bleach is not really a poison. I mean, obviously, if you were to drink it, it would kill you. But but if you, in, in, in its... Minute quantities, bottle, but in the in ordinary quantities that we're talking about concentrations, it's not poisonous, and it's much better to use than something like iodine because it is not retained by the body. Anyway, you read that article if you're thinking about doing this, and frankly, this would be something in any place that you are a little suspicious about the water. This is a good technique to use. And certainly, we've camped in areas in the U.S. where we weren't not we're not sure about the water yes. we, or it smelled bad. Um, and even in Texas, yes. before we left, uh, the water there, exactly. everybody lets it be known that it's quite high in salt, which exactly. for geezers that are worried about their blood pressure is not a good thing. And there they had little kiosks, kiosks. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, where you could buy uh, refill bottles of with pasteur- pasteurized, purified water. 
Right, and uh, we'd never seen that before. Uh, they, they look kind of like windmills. I mean, it's it's a representation, but that's the kind of like the photo mat. Just yeah, sitting like, there in the middle of the parking and lot. They they use and they use uh, they dispense purified water. You bring the bottle, and they at home they have it at grocery stores. Um, and but here you just they just have these stands, and you you know they're self. You collect the put the money in, and it dispenses a gallon or five gallons of water. And it's about uh, 20 cents a gallon. And so they don't have anything like that down here, but they have little men who come around to the campgrounds and trucks, so that takes care of that particular issue. Now, uh, so secondarily then, we now have a, a dispenser on next, next to the faucet on the sink, and that faucet uh, is uh, hooked up to a filter, uh, a much more sophisticated filtering system, and it filters out uh, supposedly almost everything else. So with that... Um, with the bleach and in the tank, and of course the filter uh, on the extra faucet on the sink, you could you can pretty much drink that water. Although we've been a little leery of that too. And so far we haven't done that. So far we haven't done that in Mexico, but we uh, otherwise that's the only water that we drink in most uh, parts uh, when we're at home. <laughs> in even in Texas, we used our reverse osmosis, and reverse osmosis is supposed to be one of the most sophisticated of the water purification techniques. You might have a reverse osmosis at home. It's an under-sink sort of installation, and it has a fairly large tank and some filters and things like that. But uh, we found one, which I will put the link to on the web on the website, that uh, actually attaches to your kitchen faucet. And you turn on the faucet, and it has a little hose that you put into a catch device, and it forces the water through, through the, the filters. And it's not a filter; it's a membrane. A membrane. Right. And um, for every five gallons of water right. you force this through membrane, it, you get one gallon of absolutely pure water. The membrane has to be flushed regularly, otherwise it gets uh, clogged. And it has, of course, a self-flushing system. And that flushing system, the water comes through the the membrane so s at such a small level that it takes five gallons of water for every gallon of water that you that you get out at the other end. And as we've discovered here in Mexico, it also needs a substantial amount of water pressure. Certainly no more than you would be used to at any campground in the United States, but more than we have experienced in all but one of the campgrounds here. Yes. So we have only been able to produce our own osmosified water at one campground, and we've had to buy water in the grocery store, which yeah. is okay, too. Which is okay, too. But uh, for the Texas situation, we have a little uh, container, and this drips out. It doesn't... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't flow out, so you can't use it uh, on demand. You have to create it in advance. But you know, we just leave it go, and when we're not using the sink, and it fills up a, it, it'll do two or three gallons a day, would be my guess, which is usually fine for the kinds of things that we do. We don't we use it for cooking. We use it for coffee and and drinking. Now I'm going to put up another PDF, a second one, and it explains some of the other systems, which we have not tried, but I would be very interested to hear what you have to say, uh, like UV and um, ozone as uh, purifying techniques, and they make RV uh, installations like this. I should mention that the reverse osmosis filter that we bought um, costs in the 70 to 80 dollar range, and as I said, it has no moving parts. It's quite small, so it's that's nice for our advantages for us. It has an adapter which you screw onto the faucet of your sink, and then you just clip it on, 
um, as an accessory, and when you want to use the sink, you just unclip it and, and set it to the side. And it's about uh, 8 inches long and 3 inches in diameter, and it has a replaceable cartridge, and um, it works very well for the kind of thing that we use it for. Now, at home, of course, you have an accumulation tank so that you can have a, a dispenser. And, and get water on demand. And get wa- it seems like it's on demand, but it's not really because it's making water uh, only slightly faster than what ours is because the system is pretty much the same. And, of course, you have a nice drain. We have to be careful that we have <laughs> a sewer. Because for the five gallons of water we're wasting while we're producing one gallon of <laughs> it water, it's got to go somewhere. Right. So uh, that, that works out pretty well, and we've been happy with that as a water purification system. Um, and that's been more or less our strategy. We've had to buy more than we wanted, but the water is, is reasonably priced and um, sold virtually everywhere. And not in just little bottles. We buy... Uh, Either 10 or, or 20 liter bottles, so that uh, you know that that lasts you a decent amount of time. And if I heard it correctly, the folks that are buying the five-gallon bottles have to pay for the bottle too. Yeah, that's my understanding. It was a deposit. A on deposit the or something. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, has happened with water is is that I installed a new water pump. I don't know about you, but I these water pumps that come on the RVs are either on or off, and it goes. <laughs> And, of course, your water, sorry if that was too loud in your ears, <laughs> but your water pressure, you know, fluctuates very much so. Now, and that's very important when you're boondocking because yes. you want to be very thrifty. And when you're trying to take a shower, you don't want to waste the water, but you need to have enough to get all the crud off of yourself. Exactly. Now, we're going to listen to the new water pump, which is um, a SureFlow. And it's a little more expensive, but uh, and it but it was a, an easy drop-in installation. I just uh, unbolted the old one and bolted in the new one, and uh, the two water hoses, the inlet and the outlet, and uh, it just fit exactly where the other one was. I didn't know much about these, but uh, it sounded like a good idea, and it has on-demand water pressure, and it doesn't make that thumping, and, and it's much, much, much quieter. So. Here we are. Let's take a little listen to... Now, listen to this is exciting. You listen to, a pod- <laughs> you listen to a podcast. But RVers are sensitive to this. I don't like all that thumping and crashing noise. So here it is. Now, you heard it cycling, and then you heard it running continuously, and that was at a very nice, moderate flow coming out of the faucet so that it will run like that and can provide you with uh, a very consistent stream of, of water. And, you know, in the, <laughs> in the shower, that's kind of important. And we've been pr- fairly pleased with this, plus the fact that uh, that little growl that it makes is not nearly as annoying when you're sitting uh, listening to the water pump do its thing. Now, she's laughing at me. She was not a toy. Well, it still ain't like home. Well, yeah, but we're, we're boondocking. <laughs> because it's electronically controlled, it uh, it has this uh, capability of just running at, uh, at different speeds. And plus the fact that it gives you 60 pounds of pressure, which, by the way, sounds like it would be enough for the, the uh, osmosis. osmosis, but uh, because... The osmosis needs that constantly. It, for some reason, doesn't work that way. But what we have been doing is, uh, instead of even bothering to hook up to the to the uh, campground water, we put it into our tank with the bleach and then use the pump full-time 
um, and then just refill the, the tank so that the water is reasonably clean so that when we shower and stuff, you don't have to be really careful about getting it in your mouth. And, and so far, we've been quite so healthy. Far, yeah, and everybody has been pretty happy uh, on our trip. We've only had a couple people with uh, minor diarrhea problems. <laughs> I don't know if there is such a thing. What a pleasant topic. <laughs> okay. The next show will be on diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> and I will let you listen to my growling stomach. <laughs> we could talk about all the, the okay. interesting no, medications no, we, no, we, we found here in Mexico. Our, our experiences have been very good for us, and most of the people on the trip have been have been quite uh, satisfied with the, with the sanitary conditions. With uh, that said, we will uh, ask you to send us some email, and we will uh, hope to hear from you soon. This is the February uh, issue of the RV Navigator podcast, and we will turn it back to the future and see what uh, we can come up with for the next big episode as we head down the road and hit Cancun and then circle around and head north again as we go back to Texas, which will be sometime in March. Hasta luego from Mexico. This is Ken, your RV navigator, saying we will be camped in a campground near you in the not-too-distant future, but for the time being, we're a long way from home. Buenos dias. Bye now. <laughs>